0: the cross and that there's unity being together at the cross you know I was thinking earlier about uh, our daughter church in Mississauga that I I go down to and speak at many times and they're from Sri Lanka and Sri Lanka went through a tremendous civil war the Sinhalese against the Tamils and uh, and even when people left Sri Lanka if they came to America or anywhere there were Tamil churches and Sinhalese people uh, churches, And uh, I remember Pastor Ronald saying to me when he started the church, he said, I want both in our church. <laughs> he said, if we can't have Tamils and Singalese worshiping together, then what's the gospel all about? And thankfully, when I go down there, I see brothers and they're Tamil and there's others uh, and they're brothers and they're singleies and they wrap arms around each other and they pray together. That's the example of the church. That's the point that we point to. Yes, we have differences on this earth, but we're one in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, right now, as I pray, I ask, Lord, that we'd all see that afresh and anew. Everyone in this building, everyone watching online, Lord, that we'll come where we look at the cross first and we see that there's more that unites us than divides us. And Lord, that wrongs and differences of opinion and views will be merged at the cross because you took all of those differences and you took them all and. You atoned for us on the cross. I pray for everyone here, Lord, this morning. There'd be no one that's not had a true vision of the cross. I pray, Lord, that you'd open our eyes to the reality of of Christ and what he did. And and the vast importance that is to mankind. That we come together at the cross. So, Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for nations. We pray for this world. We pray for every division, that there would be a unity that would come in you. You are our unity. You are our Lord. We all bow our knees to you. We praise you. We lift you up. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Remain seated. Standing. Andrea is going to help us here.
1: If we can call all the children to come on down. We're going to pray for you as you go off into your children's church. Well, look at this stylish young little guy. I love it. This is a a little dude after my own heart, I have to say. (laughs) If you're comfortable in extending your hands forward, please do so as we pray for these children. Heavenly Father, we just pray for every single child we have up here, Lord. As they go off into their children's church, may we be able to sow good seeds deep into their hearts. May they know that they are loved, they are valued and cared for by you, Lord. And as they go off uh, into their week... We're just asking for a blanket of protection for them, Lord. I pray for their teachers, their parents, their grandparents, everyone of affluence in their life, Lord. May they just love on these children, and may we be able to show them that their identity is within you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Off to your time,
2: guys. You can go. Amen, amen. The future of our church. Well, if you're new with us this morning, we're so glad you joined us. We'd love for you to uh, come and meet me after the service. We'd love to give you a free gift. As well, if you're watching online, you can go to kwcf.life and hit the button. I'm new here. Fill that out, and I will definitely make sure to reach out to you. Today at 2.30 p.m. right here at the church, we're going to have a, work, um, a business meeting, and all of our members are welcome to attend and be, be a part of that Hear all the great things that have happened in the last year, uh, and the reports are also available for you to pick up uh, at the at the info booth after the service, if you'd like to have one. Uh, next Saturday morning, uh, which is the first Saturday of, of March, we're going to have men's breakfast. You can register online. All the men in the house, and then that same weekend, uh, Sunday night, we're going to have a young adults meeting. Hang out uh, right here at the church. All the young people, eighteen plus. And older, we would love to have you and just come and hang out with us and have a good time as we kick off the young adults' meetings on Sunday nights. Every other Sunday night, uh, if we, um, if you are available next Sunday night, actually, um, we have an impartation service right here at the church, and it's one of the it's one of my favorite times to come together and worship. Besides Sunday morning service, an impartation service is is my favorite service. So, next Sunday night. Come and be a part of that. It's going to be amazing. We look forward to that. And this morning we have a special speaker. His name is Andrew Mickelson. Uh, and if you remember, if you were here past uh, back in Christmas during Christmas time when we had our Christmas play. Uh, he was actually a gentleman that played um, uh, Steve, the dad, in a play. And uh, Steve has come a long way. He has uh, uh, he's, uh, changed his name to Andrew, and uh, the Lord has done amazing things in his heart since then, and we're excited to hear the message that God has put in his heart this morning. So, Andrew, if you come forward, let's just give it up for Andrew and have him come and share the word with us this morning.
3: Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Ken. Uh, I'd like to share a little bit uh, with you about myself and my family. I met my wife, Sandra, in Toronto in 1987, almost 35 years ago. We have five wonderful sons and four wonderful daughters. You may know one of our daughters. Her name is Laura Nicholson. And she used to attend this church with her husband, Mitch. And she was the director of family ministries here for a while. They have three amazing children. And Sandra and I moved out here in June of 2020 to be closer to her and the family and some of our other sons and daughters who live out here. But as you may know, uh, Laura uh, moved to Michigan last month. So we're here, and she's over there. But we're glad to be here. You know, God sometimes uses things and circumstances, and we only, when we look back, we can understand what he was doing. We're happy for them, because they're following what God wants them to do. And Sandra and I have become more and more and more involved in this church. We attend the Monday night prayer meetings. We lead a small group here on Thursday nights, a Bible study. And we attend the worship nights and the impartation services. And I encourage every one of you to keep on coming out to whichever one of those events you can make it out to. Sandra and I are continuing to pray together about what it is God has for us. What does he want us to do in our lives? We want to be used by him and continue to seek his glory. Today I'm going to talk to you about continuing in what you started. We're going to look at what it means to continue and what it is you may run up against as you continue. What God has called you to do. We're going to look at three parts of continuing. Facing opposition, continuing in prayer, and continuing in humility. But let's first look at the word continue. What does it mean? Continue is made up of two root words from Latin, con and tenere. Con means to put yourself together with something, to come alongside something. And tenere means to hold on to that thing. So to continue means that you put yourself together with something that already exists. And then you hold on to that thing. To to continue means that after we have started to do something, we are to repeat that action over and over again. Like building a chain. And the first point in your notes, if you have them, is... Continuing means that you don't stop doing what you're doing. What are we supposed to start doing? How are we supposed to know what God wants us to do? In order for us to start doing something for God, we have to join together with Him in what He's already doing. This is why we read in Isaiah For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? God has already started doing something in your life. And he wants you to be a part of it. He is showing you something. It says in Proverbs chapter 2 that wisdom is calling out at the gates. God is always calling out to us and guiding us and leading us and telling us where we should go and what we should do. It's up to us to stop and listen for his voice. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees his father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. God has a plan for each and every one of us. These plans exist. They are real. If you're someone who is still struggling to hear God's voice and wondering, what am I supposed to do? Then I want to encourage you with this. God has a vision for your life. He wants you to get started. He wants you to join him on a journey he has planned out for you. He knows the plans he has for you. He knows where he wants you to go, where you are starting from. He has plans for you plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to bless you, plans to make you feel useful and fulfilled. Plans that will use your skills and talents, the ones He has given you. He wants you to join Him in those plans. He wants you to get started in that journey and then continue in it with Him. He has made you special. Each and every one of us is special. And we have gifts given to us by our Heavenly Father. God says through Jeremiah, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Perhaps you're not quite sure what God's plan is for your life. Maybe you kind of have an idea, but you don't know for sure. I'm going to tell you one way that has worked for me each and every time. 100%. Full proof. Guaranteed. Fasting and prayer. Whenever I'm unsure of how to move forward, or whenever I'm confused and don't have the answer, I fast and pray. This doesn't have to be a fast that lasts for days and days. My fasts for direction from the Lord usually lasts only a few hours. That's all. I usually start to fast in the morning, except for coffee. And I fast until I get the answer from God, which usually comes before lunch. I wake up in the morning, I determine what it is I am going to seek God for, or if I have a problem or an issue in my life. I read my Bible and pray. And then I go about doing whatever it is I need to do that morning as I drive the car or write something or go somewhere. And I always receive the guidance from the Lord, either through reading the Bible and having a verse speak to me or simply by hearing his voice in my spirit and knowing that I have the answer from him. One time I was in desperate need of God's voice. We have a disabled daughter. She's 30 now. And at the time, years ago, we were really struggling, feeding her, bathing her, taking care of her. It was becoming more and more difficult for us. I prayed and fasted that morning, and then at one point, I sat down with my Bible, and I said, Lord, I need an answer. I need to know how to deal with Liz. I need to know how to deal with this situation. I opened my Bible randomly, put my finger down, and read this verse. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children. We know... We love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. These words spoke to my heart. I knew that God was telling me to just keep on loving Liz. Just keep on taking care of her. And especially, don't give up your faith. Don't stop trusting in me. So if you're seeking direction from the Lord in anything, and haven't tried this before, I encourage you to try a morning of fasting and prayer. Many of you have already started doing something new for God since Pastor Ken began preaching on this topic But you're not really sure where God is taking you. You just have a general idea. In order to get started, we don't need to know exactly where we're going. We just need to know the general direction of where we have to go, or have a general idea of what God wants us to do. God told Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives. And your father's family. And go to the land. That I will show you. God told Abraham to get up. And get going. But he didn't tell Abraham. Exactly where he was going. Or what he was going to do. When he got there. He gave Abraham the instruction to go. And told him the rest of the plan. Will be revealed to you later. I believe many of you have started on your new journey. Keep going. Don't stop now. And because you have started, we are going to look at what it means to continue in something in the face of opposition when things and people are against you. We're going to discuss the need to continue in prayer and the necessity of continuing in humility. The first part about continuing in what God is leading you to do is to continue in the face of opposition. Many times we start something and we come up face to face with opposition. Anything or anyone who tries to stop us from doing God's will for our lives is opposing us. There are many things that oppose us when we start on our journey with God. I remember a young Muslim convert told me one day, she said, becoming a Christian was the easy part, but walking with God in my faith has been the hard part because she faced opposition from family, friends and her community. Getting started might be difficult. It may be a challenge to overcome the inertia of doing nothing or stuck in your old ways. It may take prayer and fasting to find out the vision God has for you. And once you get started, you will likely face opposition. The Apostle Paul was a man who was called by God And he faced tremendous opposition. At first, when he was called by God, he didn't exactly know what he was getting himself into. We read in Acts chapter 9. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. I had COVID about three or four months ago. And I got pretty sick and lying in bed, And one night, I felt like piranhas were attacking my lungs. I thought, oh man, this is is it. I am done. I was scared. And in that moment, the face of Jesus appeared right in front of me. And this sickness and this disease just left me. And I knew God healed me. And I opened up the Bible and I started reading something. I can't remember what I read now. But God spoke to me and said, I didn't call you here to Kitchener for that. I want you to do my will and serve my people. For Paul, there was lots of opposition. We can read about his sufferings in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me highlight a few of them for you. Prison, flogged, and exposed to death again and again, beaten with rods, pelted with stones. And yet, even with all this opposition, Paul continued doing what he was called to do. He continued preaching the message of salvation. He never stopped. We can read about the opposition that came to the Jews, for example, way back around the year 500 BC, when some Jews went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the fortress walls that used to surround their beloved city. Nehemiah was called by God to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. So off he went. Not knowing what lay before him. When Nehemiah got to the city and started to rebuild the walls, the foreigners living in the land did not want the walls rebuilt. They were afraid the Israelites would gain power over them, so they tried to stop them from building. The Israelites were afraid, they were tired, they were few in number, they were insulted, threatened. And intimidated. Many of us have to start rebuilding the walls with people that we have harmed, people we've neglected. There's work for some of us to do in that area. We read in Nehemiah chapter 4 we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way, they and their servants could help with guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times even when we went for water. Nehemiah, like Paul, continued in the work he started. Notice how Nehemiah told the people living outside the city of Jerusalem to come and live within the city. That way they could be all together and work together for the glory of God. And now for us, more than ever, we as the people of God should stay united, within the walls and the community of the church, so we can encourage each other in the faith and do what it is God wants us to do. Let's not use Zoom as an excuse to not meet with one another. The second part about continuing in what God is leading you to do is to continue in prayer. We need to continue in prayer so that we can keep doing what God has asked us to do. My wife Sandra and I pray for a list of things we have written down in a notebook. We go through this list almost every day, sometimes twice a day. And I can tell you from experience that by praying for something continually, no matter how you feel, You will see God provide an answer to everything you're praying for. Don't be bothered that you wrote this down, that it looks like a shopping list, or that sometimes it feels like you're reading a book. God hears our prayers whether we're tired, not particularly filled with faith, or even in a hurry. Just keep praying. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show they should always pray and never give up. This was a story about a woman who was being mistreated, and she went to a judge for help. But the judge was unresponsive and didn't want to help her. But she kept on pleading with him. Jesus wants us to continue in prayer in our journey with him. He doesn't want us to give up once we get started. Even if we pray for something and it doesn't happen right away, it's good to keep on praying until an answer comes. As I stated, my wife and I have two disabled children. They live in a home for the disabled here in Kitchener, a place called Sunbeam Lodge. Years ago, when they were both in our house in Toronto, we had to feed them, bathe them, take care of all their needs. And of course, we prayed for their healing. We prayed, we cried, and we prayed some more. They didn't get healed. But God did answer our prayers. And provided a good home for them here in KW. That's one of the reasons we moved out here. To be closer to them. The answer to our prayers wasn't exactly what we were praying for. But God in his wisdom did provide us with his answer. Jesus told the story of the woman who kept on asking the unjust judge. And got her answer for justice. Jesus wants to encourage us to keep on praying to our just judge. Our father in heaven. Who wants to hear our prayers and wants to answer us. Smith Wigglesworth. Who passed away in 1947. Was a man known for his incredible faith and gift of healing Smith said there is nothing impossible with God all the impossibility is with us when we measure God by the limitations of our faith we shouldn't say in our hearts God can't do it God doesn't want to do it God doesn't care I'm much too sinful he knows what I've done God wants to hear our prayers. And as David said in the Psalms, pour out your heart to God. Let him know what you're feeling. Let him know what you're thinking. When I came up here, I took off my mask to preach. And I encourage each of you, when you pray to God, take off your mask. Just show him what you're feeling. Show him what's going on inside your heart. Let him know how completely and utterly broken you are. And that you really have no idea what it is you should do. Bear yourselves to him. Open up your hearts. Jesus told this story to of the woman To encourage us to pray. To continue in prayer means to believe that God is actually going to give us an answer. It would not be wise for us to think he won't answer. Or that his answer is not going to be good. Continue in prayer so that he can give you the blessings he wants. Elijah also continued in prayer. The Bible says he was human, just like the rest of us. He was flesh and blood and had all the human weaknesses we all experience. But Elijah was a man who understood the power of God. And that in order to see God do incredible things, we sometimes have to pray continually. We read in 1 Kings, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to a servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Elijah was praying for rain. Finally, the Bible says, finally the seventh time. Don't you feel like that sometimes? You pray and you pray and you pray and you think, this is never going to happen. God is never going to hear me. And then as time goes on, he answers you. And then you learn he will always answer you just keep on praying first we continue in opposition then we continue in prayer the third part about continuing is with god is leading us when god is leading us is to continue in humility let's look at what it means to continue in humility To be humble means that you're not proud or arrogant. You don't throw your weight around in a bossy or harsh manner. You're not demanding. You're not dogmatic. To be humble means that you realize you are in need of God's help to solve your issues. And that you are willing to submit to God and pray to him. And ask him for his help. To be humble means that you are going to be kind and gentle with others. The Bible says human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. How I wish that I had always done that in my life. Human anger does not bring about the good things that we want for ourselves, for our family, our friends, our co workers, our spouses, and our children. Getting angry and lashing out at people doesn't solve problems, it makes things worse, it hurts people's feelings. And creates more problems. I speak from experience. As someone who has committed these things. We read in Numbers 12 and verse 3. Moses was very humble. More humble than any other person on earth. So what did he do that made him so humble? Moses was in the desert with the people of Israel, and some of them rose up and started a rebellion. They wanted Moses gone. And how did Moses respond to show he was humble? We read in Numbers 16. When Moses heard what they were saying, he fell face down on the ground. Being humble means that we bow down before the Lord. And acknowledge that we are incapable of solving some issues around us. And we seek and ask him to help us. Even Moses struggled with anger. He went his whole life sacrificing himself for the people of Israel. Had to cross the desert to escape Egypt. Then he went back across the desert to Egypt. He led the people out of Egypt, crying out to God before them. But then one day, he snapped. The Israelites were thirsty again, because God withheld the water from them. At first, Moses handled the issue with humility. We read in Numbers 20, verse 6. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Moses humbled himself before God and asked God for wisdom and guidance on how to deal with this issue of no water. God told him to go over and speak to the rock, and after speaking to it, the water would pull, the rock would pour out water for the people to drink. Humility means to stop in your tracks. Keep your mouth shut. And ask the Lord for guidance. Moses got his answer from God. Speak to the rock. But unfortunately, Moses got angry and went over to the rock and smashed it with his staff. The water came out, as God had promised, But Moses would pay a hefty price for his unbelief and anger. God said, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. Human anger is not the way to solve and deal with life's problems. In Proverbs, there is a scripture that says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. And to perish doesn't mean that you're going to drop dead and die. To perish means you're going to waste away, like a fruit that's rotting in a fruit bowl, it becomes kind of useless. God is telling us through Proverbs that we, without a vision for our lives, may start to perish. If we don't have a vision and start on a journey with God, our lives are not going to be as fruitful and joyful as they could have been. There is so much that God wants to give us. The good news is, God has a plan for your life and you are able to know what it is. Continuing means that you have already started. Continuing assumes you have moved from where you were and you have started on a new journey. There were 12 spies that went into the promised land that God said, I am going to give you. All 12 of them were given the same vision by God. And all 12 of them were given the same instructions. Go in and take over the land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a good land. God's will for our lives is a good plan. And I believe... The way God works in our lives is we get a little burden. You have this little idea, you know, maybe I should do that. I wonder if I should do that. And God is placing a seed in your heart. And He's speaking to you. And He's saying, This is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. Ten of them became discouraged. And defeated within their own hearts. They were filled with unbelief. And came to the conclusion. It's impossible for us to take over the land. There's just too much opposition. We can't do it. And by the way. I don't think God knows what he's talking about. Because those people are huge. They lost their faith and belief in God. The other two, Joshua and Caleb, saw the same vision, heard the same promises, and they chose to believe what God was telling them. I believe that each and every one of you, and I'm burdened with this, I believe each and every one of you has a plan from God, something he wants you to do. Continuing means not giving up, it means carrying on even when the going gets tough. I remember once I was on a missions trip to Latvia, a small country in Eastern Europe, giving out tracts and just witnessing to people. We were there for maybe four weeks, and in the third week, I was getting really tired, missing my family, missing being at home with my wife. And I said, God, God, I just can't go on. I'm done. And as I was walking down the street one morning, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, I am the resurrection and the life. All of a sudden, I was filled with this incredible joy and power and energy. It's like I woke up inside and I knew Jesus is real and his power is real. And the Bible says he will do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you can even think or imagine. According to the power that is at work within you, there is a power of faith That we have inside of us. That conquers mountains. That can blast through anything. As long as we have that faith. Many of us feel like there's this huge mountain in front of us. And we think we have to climb it. It's just way too big. We don't think we can do it. I have good news for you. Sometimes those mountains are too big for us to climb. But that's why Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, you, me and you, we can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And it will happen. But you must really believe it. And have no doubt in your heart. Sometimes you don't have to climb the mountain. You can command it to leave. Sometimes Jesus removes the mountain from our lives. He takes away the sickness. He provides the money for the bills. He brings that spouse into our lives. But if he doesn't do those things... He will still remove the mountain from our lives by allowing us to carry on in the situation as it is with that resurrection power. The mountains of problems in our lives have no power over us. Because Jesus has the power over the mountain. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. God never promised to take away all our problems, but he did promise promise to be with us in all of them. We may be in a pickle. We may be facing incredible challenges and pains. We may be at the beginning of something and we're terrified. I've been there many times. Or we might be at the end of something like my daughter is leaving home now and she's got to go live, into the, live in the home. And I don't want to face that either. We may be at the beginning of something or at the end of something or somewhere in between. Jesus said that he is the beginning and the end. So how can that help? There was a Muslim guy who converted to Christianity. His name is Kamal. You can see him on YouTube. He was a Islamic terrorist sent to North America to convert Christians, to convert people to Islam. So he came over. And while he was here, I think it was in the States, he got really depressed, really discouraged. And he says in his testimony, I got on my knees and I prayed and I asked Allah to help me. I asked Allah to show me the true way to speak to my heart. And then Kamal said, and do you know what Allah said? Nothing. He was so discouraged. He went and got his gun. Got on his knees, put the gun to his forehead and he wanted to commit suicide. At that moment, he heard Jesus speak to him. And Jesus said, I am the beginning and I am the end and I am everything. In between. When the Israelites were called to go into the promised land, God told them several times, You're going into a land of milk and honey. Jesus is our land of milk and honey. Whether at, we're at the beginning of something or the end of something, Or somewhere in between. He is always there for us. He is greater than any mountain. Greater is he that is in you. Than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than that mountain that you are facing. I don't know about you. It just seems like I'm always facing mountains. I wake up in the morning, I think about this mountain, I think about that mountain, and I got this to do, I got that to do, I got this problem, that problem. And I'm so glad that my wife and I pray every morning. And I bring that list of mountains to the Lord, and I say, God, I need your help with this. Help us with these things, Lord. We bring it to you. It reminds me of a testimony my daughter Laura said to me. She said, Dad... As I was growing up, I thought you knew everything. But then as I got older, I realized that you don't. But she said, one thing we learned as kids from you and mom, even when you had no idea what to do, you would get together and you would pray. And you would ask God to help you. And we always saw God answer your prayers. God is our hero. He is our savior. He's the conqueror of all our mountains. God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. So I just want to end by praying for us now and praying that as I pray, bring your trouble before the Lord. Bring your mountain to the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, your word says, Before Zerubbabel, who are you, O thou great mountain? Who do you think you are? And what do you think you're doing to God's people? Before Zerubbabel, you will be made a plain, you will be destroyed you will be cast into the sea. Lord, we join our hearts together and the power of the army of God praying to you in the name of Jesus. I pray right now, Lord God, that you remove mountains of sickness from people's lives, mountains of unemployment from people's lives, mountains of family breakdowns In the name of Jesus, in my own life, Lord, restore those relationships that my own anger has damaged. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us today would see and hear that vision that you have for each and every one of us, Lord through your name and through your power, I anoint those visions. I anoint the plans that you have given them, Lord Jesus. And by faith, I believe that each of them will come to fruition. The new path, the new thing that many of us are doing is only going to grow and get better. Lord, thank you for your church. Thank you that you are the head of the church. Thank you that each of the hairs on our heads are counted. And you know us. Praise your holy name. Amen. Amen.
0: Andrew, thank you for that message. Heartfelt lived out message. It's a life-giving message. I hope that you're inspired this morning. You know, sometimes a message coming from someone like Andrew can have more impact on us than even a pastor's message. Because as a pastor, you sort of listen and say, well, that's fine for you. You've got faith. You're more spiritual than we are. It's not the truth, but sometimes we think that. But Andrew shares right from where you are. He's sharing. Actually, he's speaking for each one of you. And I believe that if you had the opportunity, you could come and share as well. But I want you to to receive this message. Uh, And would you just stand with me as we close here? You know, I, I, I received something out of this message. And it was just this thought that God answers all of our prayers. You know, I, I've heard people say, God didn't answer my prayer. What they mean by that, He didn't answer it the way I thought He would. But I want you to know, God is the Alpha... And the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he hears every prayer. And as Andrew shared, sometimes it doesn't come the way we think. But God is answering the prayer. And he has a plan beyond us. And, and, and that's why we can continue in prayer. Even when it's not coming just the way I think it is. But my trust is in God. Not in the answer I projected upon God to bring about that that's so powerful because it goes across our whole spiritual life we we in our limited thinking feel we have the solution and we pray god to bring about the solution i have or if it doesn't happen we get discouraged rather than just hoping in god and saying god and sometimes as Andrew said he just comes and moves the mountain and you just rejoice and other times he just has climbed the mountain my grace is sufficient for you and and it doesn't really matter because it's God's plan and God's purpose and your faith is in God and I hope that that, I want to just take that home from this message this morning and I hope that God has spoken to you in a particular way If you have your spiritual uh, ears open, he's spoken something to you particularly out of this message. Something he wants you to lay hold on. And as you lay hold on it, continue in it. And and just allow God to, to manifest himself through your life. Well, I tell you, God is real, folks. God is real. Satan wants to trip us up. He wants to bring on belief. But when you just trust God then in time you'll see how it's all working out. And so, thank you again, Andrew. And let's just hold, lay hold of this. And Father, I just add my prayer that you will just be with each of us here. May we we'll be encouraged this morning to continue. Not to be weary and well-doing, but just to continue knowing that you do all things well. You are in control. We're in the middle of something, but you are there with us. You're the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Lord, may we lay hold of that truth and may you accomplish your purposes through us. And everybody said, Amen. Let it be so. Well, go with this this morning. Fellowship out in the cafe. Enjoy uh, a coffee and hope that you'll be back for our annual business meeting at 2.30 this afternoon. Go and the Lord go with you.
4: Behold the Father's heart The mystery he lavishes on us This deep cries out to deep How desperately he wants us. The things of earth stand next to him like a candle to the sun.